Today's episode is brought to you by Cars.com. With over 2 million vehicles and 50,000 more added every day, Cars.com will match you with the perfect car for you, your budget, your life, your style. And if you're ready to say goodbye to your current car, Cars.com will get you an instant offer to cash it in. Just start by entering your license plate and get matched with a local dealer who will write you the check. So whether you're looking to buy or sell, just go to Cars.com. It's magical. Falcoholic Podcast listeners, welcome to another episode of the Falcoholic Live, now available in audio-only format. Before we get to the show, just want to remind you that you can catch the Falcoholic Live live on YouTube at 8.10 p.m. Eastern on Wednesday nights. And if you're interested, we also have a post-game show that goes live right after the games on Sunday or whatever date happens to be played. So we hope you enjoy this episode, and we hope to see you on YouTube if you're available. Thank you, and enjoy the show. Fellow Falcoholics, what is up? Welcome to episode 119 of the Falcoholic Live. I am, of course, your host, Kevin Knight, joined by my co-host this evening, Mr. Eric Robinson. He is on Twitter at underscore Eric underscore Robinson. Eric, how are you doing tonight? Doing pretty good, man. Let's talk some football tonight. Yeah, let's talk some football. Uh, before we get to the football, guys, I got some uh, exciting news to share about the show. We have a lot of new features coming out. Uh, so there's going to be a, uh, as you can see if you're watching live, there is a chat box. So you can see your chat on the screen. Uh, so that should be something a little interesting there for folks so they can uh, <laughs> get get some interaction going uh we have some new interactive things like when you subscribe to the channel there'll be a little notification that pops up so we can give you guys some props for subscribing uh also you can tip us now so you know that's great so if you're so inclined the link is in that little middle area there uh and that's of course always appreciated totally optional uh i just we had some questions about it so we wanted to uh, open up the opportunity for those of you that are so inclined. So I mean, we do have to talk about a one-win team. So I mean, the more tips, the better. I mean, <laughs> yeah. If it was zero and six, I guess I guess we might have you know more right. of a more of a you know reasoning here just to say you know oh we have to talk about this terrible team. But uh, <laughs> so you know they had to go and win, I guess, and they just ruined. You know they just got us. Just now we got to talk about a win, and it totally threw it, thrown everything off. You know so. Uh, but yeah, I mean the Falcons did get that win. It was a good win. It was a fun win. It was decisive four whole quarters of quality football for once. Uh, so that's always nice to see. Um, yeah. So Eric, I mean, uh, I, I talked with Auden a little bit immediately after the game, but. Uh, what, what are you feeling? How how are your thoughts on that uh, win? Was that a big shock to you, or are you kind of expecting that that game might have actually been a little more favorable to the Falcons than people might have thought? Uh, it was. I, I wouldn't say a big shock. It was a mild one because I did pick the Vikings to win. Um, as far as my thoughts on the team afterwards, they're still bad. Um, but picking up a win like that, that was you know, one of the more complete wins that we've seen probably since their Super Bowl run. When, when I say complete, I mean, you know, you got scoring in every quarter, you know, both sides of the ball were playing well, special teams was playing well, and you literally didn't have that 
that real uneasy factor late in the fourth quarter, like, oh my God, it's happening. You didn't have that. Um, so that was a very complete, and it's, I think it was more surprising that they get a win like that in the first game at the Dan Quinn. You yeah, know, it, wasn't, yeah. it wasn't just they went out and beat the Vikings. They beat the Vikings handedly in a complete fashion in the first game post Dan Quinn era. That, that was interesting. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and that does you know tend to happen sometimes. Uh, you know, it's a uh, it's like a weird thing where when teams fire their head coach, they right. you know they tend to right. play really well the game immediately afterwards for some reason, um, and you know. I, I guess I, I totally get it from like a psychological level, right? Because it's like a release finally of oh yeah. god, yes, we finally have a chance to move on. The this Texans, weight has been lifted. Yeah, um, their first game. I think their first game at the Bill O'Brien, they beat the Jags, and then they they pretty you know they damn near came close to beating the Titans in overtime this past week. So. Right, right. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, um, and then like. Also, the thing with the Falcons was like, yes, they were zero and five, but like going into this game, they were they probably should have been two and three if not for some just ridiculous, you know, uh, pretty darn ridiculous <laughs> like blown leads, you know, which Dan Quinn had kind of become famous for, right? But um, just like they should have been at least one and four, maybe two and three. So like, it's not entirely shocking to me that they were able to like win a game. Like this is not the jets that we're talking about here. Yeah. Yeah. They're, they're they're bad, but they're not atrocious. Like the jets, like the jets just have, I mean, honestly, like what is, what good can you say about the team? The coaching is bad. The offense is putrid. The defense, you know, even the defensive coordinator is starting to rebel against, <laughs> against you know, his his cohorts on the sideline. Right? So, I mean, it's just it, – it's, the, the Falcons are not that. Right, but right. It was it was good to see them beat – all right, I still respect the Vikings. I don't care what the record says. They still have a – I think Zimmer's still a good coach. Um, I still respect that defense because that defense still had – granted, they didn't have uh, Daniil Hunter – but Ngakwe was out there, Eric Kendricks was out there, Anthony Harris and Harrison Smith were still out there. So they still have formidable starters that, you know, pose, you know, somewhat of a threat against the Falcons offensive unit. So I still respected that team. They mm-hmm. were without Dalvin Cook, granted, which is their best player. Kirk Cousins is in the middle of an ugly funk right now. That's probably going to cost him his job once the season is over with. Um, but I still respected the Vikings. I, I, yeah, I yeah. look at the Vikings like, okay, this is a team they should run over. You know, I, I, I approach this game like, hey, this is this is going to be a tough one. I mean, when is the last time Atlanta even went into Minnesota and beat them? Fans or no fans? This the, the Vikings have shown during the Mike Zimmer era to have the Falcons number. So that's why I approach this game like, hey, it's not it's not going to be an easy win. But they look they look really good, man, from from beginning to end. Yeah, I totally agree. Like, this was the first, like, legitimate four-quarters performance we've seen from them uh, right. all season. And, like, we saw this defense look like they could create turnovers and create some havoc. You know, uh, what was it, week two against the, the Cowboys in the first half? Like, they were playing lights-out football, and then they gave up, you know, 40 points. It was, like, it was something ridiculous, like, you know, 30 points in the second half or something. Um right. This time, it felt different to me. Like, in that Dallas game, I, I think I famously tweeted out, like, oh, yeah, they're going to blow this. And, you know, I think 
obviously that's not something you ever want to tweet out, but like I could feel it in, in my heart that they were going to blow that game. Yeah. Never felt, because we're, I remember in, in our all the group chat, we kept saying like, hey, they're getting these turnovers. They're getting great field position, but they're leaving points on the field. They had to settle for like two field goals in their first half. Yeah. They left like eight points out there on the field. Mm-hmm. Um, we kept saying that in the group chat, and it, and it bit them. It came back and bit them. It did, yeah. Um, so, like, against Minnesota, I actually felt, you know, pretty confident that they were going to pull it off uh, because this, you know, is a team – they were playing it wasn't like fluky i guess like against the cowboys those three crazy fumbles like obviously foyer you know was a big integral part of that but like it wasn't really like they were playing lights out defense it was like they were benefiting from a lot of cowboy mistakes and i don't want to say it's fluky right yeah Elliot is shown is fumbling well yeah now we know yeah he's having big fumble issues this season but like it, it was. It didn't feel like super legitimate. Like they were actually playing great right. defense, you know. Um, whereas, like some of those interceptions, like Kirk Cousins threw some ducks. Like let's be clear, but like that Terrell interception was fantastic. Like yes. they were. They were just playing better. The, the run defense was awesome. They held Madison to twenty four yards. Like they were legitimately playing good defense. So that's why I felt a lot more comfortable with just you know yeah. them actually. It was it was plays being made on both sides of the ball that you didn't really expect to see from them. Like you said, the and, and I, I've said it all week in our group chat, that AJ Terrell interception, that's one of the best interceptions I've seen all year or or in a long time because it wasn't an interception like, okay, he threw it right at him and he's supposed to catch that one. No, he wasn't supposed to get that that pick. Came off his guy and this instinct got him that interception. Those are plays that had been missing on this defense for so long. It wasn't it wasn't turnovers that were like, oh man, you know they're supposed to make that one. That one was there for them. Like no, we, they needed to make those type of plays, those type of interceptions, and that was a great play by AJ Terrell. Yeah, um, and I felt the the second Julio touchdown that came on fourth down, that was the best offensive drive all year. Mm-hmm. The reason why I said that was the best offense drive all year because that was a drive that came that that followed Minnesota's first score. So yeah. we've seen it all year where an opponent would score. We see Matt Ryan and Julio and, and Gurley take the field and we're like, hey guys, you guys need to answer. And they don't answer. Right. That was the drive where they we they took the field and we were like, hey guys, you guys gotta answer, please, or we're gonna start getting nervous. And they did. And on that fourth down play, that's a play we usually see happen to the Falcons defense. Yeah. <laughs> so to see Matt Ryan and Julio make that play was was awesome. Um, and it was it's chemistry, man. It all boiled down to it. They made the necessary plays that they needed to make that we haven't seen them make in quite some time. Yeah, yeah. And like that that was funny because that's like I think I, that's exactly what I tweeted out about the Terrell pick was like, oh, this is definitely the type of play that the Falcons are usually on the receiving end of. Yeah. Um, and it's nice for a change, you know, to have that play go the Falcons way. Um, Mm -hmm. but it was great. It was fantastic, uh, to, to see them put together those four quarters. And, um, you know, we, we talked a lot about the defense because I think that was by far like the most surprising thing because as hot and cold as the Vikings have been, I mean, they were, they scored a ton of points against Seattle. They were very competitive in these most recent games. Most of their struggles had kind of come earlier 
And Kirk Cousins totally imploded, you know, in the first half with those three picks and just wasn't really playing good football, which is nice for the Falcons. But, um, mm-hmm. you know, the defense was playing well. Uh, the pass rush was, you know, getting some pressure, especially. They were being more aggressive, I think, with blitzing and things like that, too, which helped. But it's only one sack. Yeah. A little bit. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. And it's really sad because it seems like maybe Tack McKinley is like the linchpin of that pass rush going from like average to good. Oh, yeah. Yeah. But he just can't stay healthy, which is really sad. Right. But, um, and that, that one, that one sack came <laughs> against a guard, I guess a backup, a third string guard. Yeah. So yeah. that was, that was probably the one concerning piece I took from that game. Like, man, they still can't muster a pass rush for anything. Like, this is, yeah. Not great. Not great. Not great at all. Yeah. But, you know, at least the, the coverage was better. Um, and, you know, Gray Jarrett's still awesome. But to me, like, I, I wrote an article about it that came out today. But, um, you know, Foyer-Lowoken being one of the best players in this defense, I did not see that coming. Uh, that was not something I really anticipated. I mean, I thought he would be solid next to Deion Jones. But, I mean, he's arguably outplayed Deion to this point in the season. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and, and we read it all week that – I, and and I, we haven't done it yet, but we should. Big, big credit to Raheem Morris. Um, we read all week about how his approach to everything was way different from Dan Quinn. Mm-hmm. He held players accountable. We're not talking about backups. He held starters accountable. Right. Which is probably something that Dan Quinn didn't do. And you can see it on the field against Minnesota. I mean, we'll, we'll, we'll continue to look as weeks go to see if it resonates, you know, from, from here on out. But you saw it on the field against Minnesota. You saw Deion Jones. And Deion Jones looked uh, like a completely different player this past Sunday than he did in any other game this year. He looked like a guy that got called out in a meeting and was embarrassed. And he said, all right, you know what? That's not going to happen again. Yeah, yeah. I, 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 I saw that. He he looked like that. You know, you saw it from Matt Ryan. Matt Ryan looked like a quarterback that's like – granted, Matt has played great all year in mm-hmm. my opinion. But even he looked like, all right, you know what? Raheem Morris called me out this week. I'm not going to take that no more. T.I. called me out this week, so I'm going to shut him up too. Um, so it, it's, you you just you felt like this team got, you know, Raheem Morris got into their behinds on the practice field last week, and they showed it. Yeah. So against Minnesota. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, they did play more aggressive football on defense in particular. Um, and I, I think that is, you know, Morris's influence. We know Quinn is very conservative with his coverage, is very soft in his zone. Um, and that's all well and good if you're getting, you know, tremendous pass rush every play, but um, we're not. So, <laughs> uh, and I think Morris is more willing to use creative blitzes than Dan Quinn has been. Um, and, you know, it, it all kind of came together this week, and we'll see if it's, something that can be replicated, you know, if Kirk Cousins doesn't shoot himself in the foot three times, you know, is this game a lot closer? Maybe. Um, but with them actually being good uh, to, like, if they can just be, like, below average on defense, this team can win games. Like, if they're 32nd out of 32 teams, they're not winning football games. If they're, like, 25 out of 32, this offense is good enough to win some games, uh, particularly against defenses like Minnesota's that – Dirk Cutter's offense can just outclass in terms of talent. Like that's when this offense is like this offense is going to look this good against inferior defenses. Yeah. But where you have issues is you know, 
better they can, than they can that. Twenty fifth overall, but if they're top twelve in takeaways or top ten in takeaways, mm-hmm. it's going to mask it. Trust me. Yeah, we saw we saw it in twenty sixteen. Yeah, yeah, uh, and yeah, I mean that. Yeah, 2012 was another season where they just had a lot of turnovers and it masked a defense that was you know not great overall, uh, yeah. but. You know, it, it was it was serviceable. It was enough to to for this team to get to thirteen and three in twenty twelve and eleven and five in twenty sixteen, and they were capable of like turning it on and putting in some good performances when they needed to. And you know, that's the the twenty sixteen playoffs come to mind for that. Like they were totally lights out until the Super Bowl, and even honestly through most of the Super Bowl, they were. It just ended up being yeah. too many plays and Dan Quinn being a little too conservative with the defensive calls and too much prevent and all that. But we won't relitigate that tonight. I know we're I know we're not getting, you know, new subscribers if we start going down the twenty eight to three loophole uh, or or rabbit hole. But um Yeah, all right. We got uh, some folks some questions I want to get to real quick. Um let's see. So viral graph fifty six asks uh, if we play well the rest of the season would we consider keeping Raheem Morris as our head coach? So I assume you mean like play like really well, like like nine, you know, win, you know, nine games or 10 games, have a winning season, be competitive, like a really miraculous turnaround. Because I, I honestly think that's the only way he's really in consideration. And even then it might not be enough. But what are your thoughts on that? Like say Raheem Morris pulls off, you know, a miracle and we, we win nine or 10 games. Uh, would you, yeah, probably make the playoffs with the seventh spot, I would think. He damn sure would be a finalist at least. I don't think I don't mm-hmm. think Blank is gonna give him the job, but he you know, he would definitely be in the conversation if he does. Um I think a lot of small things can go along the way for Raheem Morris that can help him on next year, um, on next year's staff if he's able to be held over. I mean, you we saw what the defense looked like this past weekend. <clears throat> I'm pretty sure whoever the next head coach is whoever the next GM is, I'm pretty sure they saw that game. And if they can replicate that a few times throughout the season, there's a good chance that he may not be in for the for the head coaching job, but they may say, you know what, we want to bring you back as the DC. Mm-hmm. We we wanna we wanna keep you on as a as a defensive assistant coach. You never know. Yeah, um, yeah. But if he if he coaches really, really good and they you know he gets him above five hundred I'm not going to say he's going to be the coach, but he's going to be a real prime candidate. Absolutely. Yeah, I mean, and I agree. Like, if, if he does, you know, turn this around in a big way, he'll he'll be considered. Um, I think it's honestly more of a, an audition for other teams because I think the Falcons will kind of be chasing these, like, really high-end coaching candidates. They're probably, I assume that they've learned their lesson and they want an offensive coach, but I guess maybe we shouldn't assume that. But I hope that they've assumed that. Um, But yeah, I mean, if Raheem Morris has a great season and this team does make the playoffs, and especially if they like win a playoff game or something, then yeah, I mean, I think you have to consider that he has made the necessary changes. And like, I know, um, you know, folks have mentioned that like Raheem Morris was the defensive coordinator under Dan Quinn. Like, yes, obviously he was responsible in some way for that. But if Quinn's the head honcho and he says, this is what we're doing and all this, like that's what they're doing. Like it's not Raheem Morris's place to say, we're not going to play soft zone because that's what Quinn wants. Like now that he's the head coach, he has the kind of liberty to just say whatever he wants. And it seems like the biggest change 
is probably not going to be scheme. And honestly, the scheme was pretty much the same against Minnesota. I mean, it was a little bit more aggressive and there was, you know, tighter coverage and less soft zone and that sort of thing. Not major, but those were nice to see. But it's like, it seems like Morris is being more aggressive with the players as well. Like getting in their face, you know, it was, you know, heard that he kind of went after the team leaders, called them out for, you know, not necessarily it's, it's not, yeah. It's not going to be the scheme is where you're going to see the results from the Morris. Is what you is it's the execution of the scheme is where you may see his fingerprints. Mm-hmm. You know, and we saw it this past week. I mean, literally. But I, I'm quite honestly, what are the eyes that Deion Jones would have got the interception on the first period of the game if Dan Quinn was up? Right. I, I, I don't know. That's the thing. At least with, with Raheem Morris in play, we saw this past week. He can get, you know, he can light a fire in them, and they may play different. So that's where you'll see it. Yeah, yeah. And I'm excited to see, you know, what they do going forward, too, because it's, you know, it's one thing to play really well after you finally get, you know, your beleaguered head coach out of here, and, you know, it, everyone's kind of exhaling, and go, you're going up against a 1-4 team. You know, what do you do going forward? Because it's, it's been difficult to sustain for these coaches um you know these interim head coaches to sustain success there's usually a a, a, like we talked about this a little bit earlier like there's usually a burst of quality play and then you know it kind of goes back to being bad because generally the the team is you know not so good and thank you our our sheet shawla uh for testing out our subscriber button it works so thank you for testing that out uh and and thank you for subscribing so that's what it looks like, folks, if you subscribe. So everybody should subscribe so I can give you a nice shout-out and I can Absolutely. look at that button. It looks really good, in my opinion. You guys, obviously, it's a, it's, a, it's, it's about whether you guys like it. You know, that's the real thing. But, um, but yeah, like I was saying, like it's about can they maintain it, and that's a lot harder to do than just winning one game. Like, we're still 1-5. <laughs> like, let's make that yeah. clear, right? We're still 1-5. This is still not great. Um, so we'll, we'll see what what happens with that. But um, let's shift gears a little bit to the offense because the defense was the big surprise, but the offense played extremely well. Obviously, they had 40 points. And one of the big things about the offense in this game was that they kept scoring. Like, every quarter, they kept piling on points. And they never... The Vikings rallied pretty hard in the second half. You know, they, they managed to put up 23 points. But, like, the Falcons kept scoring, so it really... It, the game was never in doubt. Like, it was never in contention. Um... The Falcons continued to score. I thought that, you know, I don't know if Morris had some influence on this or not, but the team was more balanced in the second half as opposed to, you know, oscillating between four runs and four passes and, like, just going three and out a bunch, like in the Bears game. Um, thank you, T-Main87. Uh, thank you, man, for subscribing. We appreciate that, brother. Um, but, uh, like... I thought it was a very balanced game plan in the second half, which was nice to see. Like, I, I think I pointed out on Twitter um, that, you know, th- this team burned more clock in literally one fourth quarter drive against the Vikings than they did in three against the Bears in week three. Like, it's it, that's crazy to me. Um, yeah, Fady and also Sean Carter. Thank you guys for subscribing, too. We appreciate that, guys. Um, so, it, I mean, I, I think, I assume Morris had something to do with that, right? That he was involved in some way and kind of helping cut or craft a more balanced game plan. But were some, what were some of your takeaways from the offense in this game? Um, for one, time of possession was, like you just mentioned, 
was beautiful. 40 minutes compared to 20. 19 minutes and 53 seconds exactly for Minnesota. Falcons held the ball for 40 minutes that game. I That's beautiful. I don't care how much numbers they put up. I don't care if they put up 800 yards. I don't care. The the things that I look for out of an out of a really good offense, um, and it doesn't matter if we're talking about Kansas City or Seattle, is are they able to score when their defense needs them to score? Mm-hmm. Can they put together a drive that can close the door on a team? Those are the things I look for, and the Falcons were able to do that this past week. Yeah, they put up great numbers. I get that. Like I mentioned, that uh, that third quarter touchdown, late third quarter touchdown, to put them up thirty to seven going into the fourth quarter. To me, that was the best drive of the year because they answered. They answered a Viking score, mm-hmm. and they ate some clock. Fourth quarter, I mean fourth down, they were still aggressive, and you know you got another Matt Ryan and Julio testing. Um, and like you said, late in the fourth, they were still able to put together. You know, they were Minnesota's only down two scores at one point, I believe. They were only down like two scores and they needed they needed the ball back. Atlanta wouldn't give it back to them. Mm-hmm. That's what I love to see. Yeah. Um, so yeah, so those you know, Matt Ryan had three seventy one and four touchdowns. We've seen that hundreds of times. Um, but those were the takeaways for me. The time of possession, um, I think they had like eighty maybe close to 80 plays mm-hmm. again beautiful that's a that's a lot of plays for defense yeah um so th- those were the numbers that stood out to me mm-hmm. the most. yeah yeah i agree um you know the running game wasn't like amazing it wasn't like it how as good as it was last week you know they they were they were dominant last week and it just they just didn't lean on it but uh, well, I guess it was two weeks ago with the Panthers game, but like the the Vikings were a weren't at were a solid run defense going into this game, but right. yeah. Right. Uh, whereas this, the Panthers were like one of the worst in the league. So this this felt more like a and I, I know some fans may not like this, but this felt more like a Kyle Shanahan approach, where is we know your weakness and we're going to attack your weakness, and if you're not going to be able to stop it, it's going to be a long day for you. Coming into this game, going into the Panthers game. The biggest weakness on that defense was a mediocre run defense, which is why you saw them post like 160 rushing yards. Yeah, yeah. Remote, you know, during the season. But going into this game, the Vikings have one of the worst passing defenses in the league. I pointed out in the preview, I think they had like like nine or ten players that gave up a quarterback rating of, of 103 or more when targeted this, year, this season. So that means you got to beat them in the air. And that's what they did. So I, I, it, for the first time, I'm going to tip my cap a little bit, dirt cutter. Like, okay, you saw a weakness and you exploited it. That's mm-hmm. what I like. To see. Yeah, yeah. And I'm totally into that. You know, uh, and this was a better called game from Dirk Cutter. I just, like I said, we, we need to see it against quality defenses because that's been where Dirk Cutter has struggled, not against the ones that have been, you know, poor. I mean, um, you know, the Panthers, bad run defense good pass defense and we saw that like the pass game was suffocated against carolina even mm-hmm. though the run game was getting it going and you know mm-hmm. against uh against the bears you know they were they started out hot and then they kind of cooled off and they couldn't really get anything going either so like it, it needs to be demonstrated consistently and it needs to be demonstrated against teams that we just don't completely outclass because that that was what happened this time like on offense the falcons totally outclassed the the vikings on on offense uh against their defense and it's it's hard you know to look bad in that scenario now it can happen but like dirt cutter 
Dirk Cutter's scheme works really well when you just straight up are better than your competition, and we saw that on Sunday. Um, so was it perfect? No, but I think it was encouraging, you know, for Cutter. The balance was certainly something that I was happy to see, um, and the passing game was electric. I mean, who having and the big thing for me was Julio Jones looks healthy again, um, and this offense is just different with him healthy. Like it was clear over the past two games, you know, he sat out. Uh, you know, last time, but this week he actually looked healthy. Um, he and Matt Ryan have such a strong connection. You know, they just were kind of, it, they looked like they were just having fun. Like they were playing loose again. Like it just yeah. seemed like the offense was wound up so tight over the past few weeks. And to see them actually go out there and have a good game and just, you know, that, that touch, that fourth down touchdown play, that was just a schoolyard play. Like Matt Ryan was like, I'm going to run Ooh. for it. Oh crap. There's two guys here. I'm just going to have to toss it. <laughs> and, um, you know, Julio was in the perfect place and just, you know, chemistry. made a great that's play. That, that's 10 years of playing together right there. That's chemistry. That's all it was. They gave each other eye contact, and that's that's where it paid off right there. Yeah, yeah, and it was, you know, that's that's what they're capable of, that duo, and that's why uh, <laughs> that's why it's it's fun to watch so much when, when Julio's here and healthy. Um, this, this is one of the, this is probably the the one game all year also on offense where I wasn't actually able to predict the calls. Mm-hmm. Um, we I I think wait was it the it was was it the Bears game I think it was the Bears game where we were just like no the Packers <laughs> game <That was> the <laughs> one where we were like okay we know what they're going to do like it's just but this particular approach against the Vikings like it was it was kind of sort of hard to predict what they're going to run and that's another thing that I like don't make it so easy for if if two guys like Kevin and Eric can pick out like okay is what they're going to run on second down boom I'm pretty sure NFL defenses are like this is what they're going to run on second so he he kept the Minnesota defense guessing a lot for four quarters yeah and again, that's what I like yeah yeah not to mention there was some ugly miscommunication on the back end and the secondary. Yeah, yeah, a few um, times. And he took advantage of it again. Mm-hmm. Like you, you can tell. Yeah. That first, first Julio touchdown was that way. Mm-hmm. Um, they tried to double Julio, but um, I believe it was Dantzler who didn't give him who didn't um, didn't give him inside. Was it? This is advertiser content brought to you by Frito Lay. Hello, I'm Chip Murphy, here to get you ready for the big tournament. Tonight we'll break down, we break down who will be cutting, cut! What are you two doing? Sorry, Chip. Prez here got his feathers ruffled when I told him Ruffles has zero chance of winning the title. And I was letting Dip know that she is not taking into account Ruffles' iconic ridges. Guys, it's March. We have to start talking about the tournament. We are. It is the 2023 Frito-Lay Snack-It. We're talking about big-time matchups between Cheetos, Smart Food, Lay's, Sun Chips, and more. Just head to the Frito-Lay Snack Bracket and vote for your favorite chip, pretzel, or dip for a chance to win up to $1,000 or a year's worth of snacks. This sounds great. Keep up the good work. Just go to frito No purchase necessary. Sweepstakes ends 4-3-2023. Void wherever hidden. Here's worth of snacks awarded in the form of 52 coupons, each good for one bag of chips. See official rules at frito 
was it Dantzler or was it Gladden? One of the two. I, I yeah, they both got two. burned. Let's be honest. One of the two. He was supposed to give him inside release because he had Harrison safety. Uh, he had Harrison Smith coming over over the top of him. So that and they were gonna they were gonna play. You know, they were double covering him at that point. But it, but because of the the way he was lined up, he ended up cutting off Smith, who was trying to come over the top of mm-hmm. Julio, which left Julio open. Yeah. So again, yeah. a lot of miscommunication on the back end. Mm-hmm. So yeah. Yeah, and you know the Falcons' credit—they took advantage of it, and they—they they have the weapons to do that consistently, and they—they they really should be doing that more often. But the scheme just doesn't really help them. So if they don't just create separation on their own, it could be difficult. But against Jeff Gladney and Cam Dantzler, and you know, it's really kind of shocking to me that Anthony Harris and you know Harrison Smith aren't playing better. But they can't there's only so much they can do to cover up right. those corners you know like right. people want to make it seem like if you have two great safeties they cover up your corner problems it's like they can they, to an extent but you know that damn good safety tip. they are they're one of the best um and yeah. that and that's part of the reason why it was so surprising that the vikings defense has kind of fallen off a cliff this year because they kept you know the safeties intact they got rid of you know xavier rhodes who they thought was overrated who's having a pretty strong season funny enough but um you know, they, they just tried to go young at the position. And Gladney was someone I liked, but it's like, you know, it's the same thing with A.J. Terrell. Like, depending on that rookie corner to be the linchpin of your secondary is not generally a good idea. And it seems like maybe that'll work out okay with the Falcons. Like, I think Terrell has been as good as we probably could have hoped at this point. But, um, and, you, but and I like Dancer a lot, too. But Dantzler played primarily, he was, he was pretty much an off-coverage corner at Mississippi State playing a lot of zone, playing a lot of cover two. Um, now you're talking about him just manning up in this Minnesota scheme. So that's a, you know, that's a, a speed bump he has to build as well. So Yeah, yeah. Uh, all right, a bit, a big sis brother, like you got to, like if you're going to troll with a statement like Isaiah Oliver's better than Grady Jerry, like that's very low effort trolling, okay? I'm going to need you to like put in a little more effort than that, okay? A little a little more effort. All right. You gotta do better than that. Yeah. Hayden also Hayden Hurst is the best tight end in the NFL better than Kelsey. Yeah yeah, let's not you know again, like you gotta turn tone that take down a little bit, you know, so that we can even there's nothing to discuss with that take. You know, it's just it's ridiculous on its face. Alright. Viral graffiti six again asks, um, are the Falcons an attractive opening for a coach? Yes. Yes. They are. Uh, they're very attractive. I mean, I think there's a lot to – yeah, go ahead. Go ahead. Yeah. No, no, I, I'm, I'm glad you brought that up because I yeah. think we need to address – We do. The, we do. You know what I'm talking about. Yeah. You, you yeah. know what I'm talking about here. Um, yeah. yeah, they are. They are. They're an attractive uh, team because if you're a particular head coach or a GM, I think you can look at what they have on the roster right now and you can say, hey, I can win right now. I can win with Matt Ryan. I can win with Julio Jones. I can win with Kevin Ridley. I can win with Grady Jarrett. I can win with Deion Jones. I just need to tweak the roster here and there, mm-hmm. and we could be a 10-win playoff team next year, 11-win yep. playoff team next year. So I think, yes, this this can be an attractive spot. Is it one where you can build for the future? Not necessarily, but it's, you, it, you'll be hard-pressed to tell me that this team is not more of a win-now team compared to Houston, compared to the Jets, that's probably going to open up at the end of the year. This this is probably the most win now we're ready type team for for a coach to come in and, and do so. Yeah. So yes, it is an attractive. 
Yeah, and especially if, like, Matt Rankin, like, plays more like this week as opposed to the previous two weeks because, you know, and Abix is trying a better troll attempt here saying Matt Ryan's top five QB. I mean, statistically, he is this year. Um, you know, passing, so he's yeah. second in the league in passing. That doesn't necessarily mean you're a great quarterback, but, um, like, he needs to be more consistent, particularly this year, because it's been a little hot and cold, and a lot of that has to do with Cutter. But, like, if he can play really well over the remainder of the season and then look great, you know, that just helps matters because then – you're not in a situation where you have to get a rookie quarterback in here and start him immediately. You know, this is a guy that, that Matt Ryan gives you the option to try to win now. And he also gives you the option to draft a quarterback and, you know, try to let him learn behind Ryan for a year or two. You know, we talked about that in previous weeks. Obviously, if the Falcons start winning a bunch of games, for the record, I still don't think that's going to happen. But, you know, they could win five, six games, I think, still. So, like, you're probably not in, you know, in contention for Trevor Lawrence at that point. But... That could be the perfect spot for like a Trey Lance or Justin Fields or one of these other guys that's you know going to be getting. There's there's always new guys that, that get help, so uh, they get you know hype. Um, but yeah, I mean from a roster standpoint, I think the Falcons are overall a better roster than the Texans. Texans have probably more. I mean, honestly, you think Texans, you think defense, but like they really don't have many pieces. Like it's it's JJ Watt who's aging and often injured, but still good. Um, they got use. Yeah, they they have they have some young guys there. Those linebackers are slow as molasses, though. My God, like it's like they built that linebacker core for the '90s. It's pretty crazy to me. Uh, and I like Zach Cunningham and and Bernardrick McKinney was someone I liked as like a three-four inside guy. But like all that big money tied up in two linebackers who can't cover, man, that's just not great uh, to me. But you know that they have they have pieces on the D line. They have pieces at linebacker. The secondary is a giant disaster. Uh, but on offense, you know, they have some talent too. Obviously, they got Laramie Tunzel and things like that. And um, the rest of that offensive line is, you know, pretty meh. Uh, but you got Watson. That That's the one thing I think that is the, the one thing that the Texans have is, is Watson. So you've got your franchise quarterback locked up, you know, for the foreseeable future. That's the one thing that they have. And it just depends on what a head coach wants. Do they want to not have to worry about quarterback for 10 years or do they want a chance to draft a quarterback and, and right. win with, you know, you kind of get the best of both worlds with the Falcons, in my opinion. Like, you can get your young quarterback and you can try to win now. Um, the Falcons obviously have a much better draft capital situation as opposed to the Texans, but um, salary cap-wise, it's pretty, I mean, it's pretty grim for the Falcons. It's not quite as grim for the Texans, but it's not good. So, um, yeah, it's, uh, you know, I, I personally with the fact that we are getting fans in the stadiums for however long that lasts, probably not very long, but um, like, I don't think we're going to get this nightmare cap scenario of like 175 million. I just don't think the NFL is going to let that happen personally. So you're supposed to lower next year, isn't it? Well, that's the, the floor is 175 million. That's the lowest it could theoretically go. I just don't see them allowing that to happen because you're going to get some teams with like 80 million in dead cap. If that happens, you know, the Eagles, the saints, like, you're in a position where it's like you almost can't field a roster with that far of a, a dead cap. So, like, they're going to have to do something about that. I think it, I think at the end of the day, we're going to be looking at a cap that's the same as this season. Like, it's going to be a flat cap, and they're going to make concessions next year. But How much was it this year? Like, 198, I think. Something like that. So, like, if it's, if it's that, like, if the cap stays the same, the Falcons are only, like, a few million over. So, it's not at anywhere near as big of a deal. They can easily clear space... Well, yeah, I mean, yeah, there's you know, there's already a couple teams that's facing like an unprecedented amount 
of you know below caps. Oh yeah, the Saints is one of them. And the yeah, Eagles, yeah, those are the two worst ones by far. I think the Eagles are like eighty million over, and the Saints are like sixty million, yeah. assuming yeah. that nightmare scenario. And even if they get back to what the cap was this year, which I think is probably the best case scenario, they're still over by you know. 60 million or so for the Eagles and 50, 40 million or so for the Saints. So, like, either way, they're going to be in drastic issues cap wise, but, like, you know, they, they asked for that. Right. So, that's what <laughs> happens when you kick the can down the road too long, which is what they've been doing. So. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Iron Rain, I told Eric that you guys love his, his water drinking habits. Eric knows how to stay hydrated, man. He, he's, a, he's an example to us all. So, you know, that's, that's one thing that I can always depend on. A gallon a day, man. Yep. A gallon a day. Gotta do it. <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, we can squeeze in some more roster and other talk before we get to that, guys. Uh, do want to remind you to uh, like the video as well. We ha- I know we had some new folks subscribe. We appreciate that. Uh, if you like the video, that helps other people on YouTube find it. We really appreciate that. And like I said, if you hit that subscribe button, you'll get a nice shout-out from us, and you can test out my nice widget. Uh, and if anyone is feeling generous, I want to make sure that I – I don't know if I have this displayed right, but there is not an actual box that you click. I can't, it's not like Twitch. I can't get it to like actually show up on the screen. That would be really cool. But, um, there is a link that's going to show up in this little middle area. Uh, hold on. It's like, wait there. So you see where it says enjoying the show and all that. Yeah. There's a link there. It's streamlabs.com slash the Falcoholic. If you are interested in tipping and you want to test out the system for me, both things which I really appreciate. Uh, that is where you go. I believe it's right now set up to do PayPal only. I'm in the process of getting it to do direct credit card, which means you don't have to sign into PayPal and do all that BS because I don't like PayPal any more than you do, trust me. But um, that's that's where you go if you are interested. So I just want to make sure that was clear because it's not as nicely integrated as Twitch. That's one advantage Twitch still has. But uh, thank you guys again, no matter what. Uh, we appreciate you. Um, all right, so... Yeah, I know folks wanted to talk. Uh, also, if you donate, I do want to remember this. You can put a message with your donation. So if you have a really burning question you want us to get, uh, that'll make sure we answer it. Uh, we're still going to try to answer as many as we can. But as you can see, there's a million questions coming in. So that is one way to make sure your question get an- gets answered. So, um, yeah, you're welcome, Viral. You're welcome, man. Uh, thanks for tuning in. Um, so, yeah, I know. Um, okay, Cody Stokes. What is our opinion of Dante Fowler plays uh, Dante Fowler's play so far? Uh, not great. Uh, it was better this week. Uh, he was basically invisible before this week, but uh, not great. You know, he was instrumental on that that like kind of goal line stand. Um, there was some definitely some in, intriguing signs based on what we've known. But um, yeah, I mean, it's definitely not sixteen million dollars worth. That's for sure. Uh, one, I think it's like one and a half or one. Yeah, so it's not like the worst signing of all time. It's not Ray Edwards yet, but it's not great. Uh, so, I mean, yeah, how do you feel about that signing so far? Um, yeah, it's it hasn't met the expectations that I thought it would. You know, I didn't expect him to come in here and be Von Miller. Right. But, you know, I I did expect him to have more than one sack at the six games. Um, yeah. Part of it is because, you know, the tack injury takes – all the, you know, it, it puts all the attention on him. He's game plan a little bit more, but you know, it we we definitely need to see some more out of him going forward because that pass rush, as we mentioned, that pass rush has been an issue for yeah. a very long time in Atlanta. And 
again, playing the Vikings this past week, for them to only get one sack, and that for that one sack to come against a third string guard, mm-hmm. like just like come on, man, we got to see something better than that. Yeah. Brady Jarrett is doing everything he can, <laughs> everything possible. <laughs> he would be a lot better if someone can compliment him. We're not, we don't need to steal curtain, but somebody has to compliment him on the outside. Mm-hmm. So and that's somebody probably needs to be Dante Fowler. Probably, yeah. So, uh, also joining us now. Former Falcons guard Keenan Forney. He's on Twitter at kforney65. Keenan, how are you doing tonight, man? Good. What's up, y'all? What's up? I heard y'all talking about uh, our high-paid uh, free agent acquisition. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You... And uh, getting the job done, I guess, so to speak, as much as we would like. Yes. Yeah. yeah. You got any takes on on the Dante Fowler situation thus far? Man. Uh... Yeah, you got paid all that money, man. You got to come produce, dog. <laughs> right. I mean, yeah, like, we, we don't need Von Miller numbers, but one sack after six games, like, come on, man. That's, yeah, right. you got to do – yeah, you got yeah, to come, come with it better than that, man. Yeah. I mean, and you was right. You know, probably the tack injuries probably hurting them a little bit, but at the same time, bro, when they pay you that money, man, they don't want to hear that shit. I mean, yeah. <laughs> they You're right. You're right. They don't want to hear that. They didn't pay you that money thinking that tackle was going to get injured. They pay you that right. money. Gonna- yeah, we hey, we're gonna give you this money because we're gonna team you up with our other guy over there, and yeah. you know, hopefully you'll get a lot of sack. Nah, it was they paid you based on what you did last year. Right. You know, in the, as an individual, you know, I know you play with some other great people, but you know, he's got to, you know, yeah, you got to, you got to, you got to do more, man. Yeah. Sorry. Yep, you got to do better. Yeah, that's kind of where we are. Uh, I know, guys, we're gonna have. Um, Mike Payton from SB Nation site, Pride of Detroit, joining us here soon to preview the Lions game. But before we get to that, Keenan, I wanted to get your thoughts on that first one of the season. How was that for you? Woo! <laughs> yeah. Oh man, hey, we ain't gonna be the uh, we ain't gonna be the, uh, the Detroit Lions. What year was that when they went on sixteen? <laughs> yeah, we're safe there. So yeah. Yeah, we ain't gonna be the Cleveland Browns and the Hugh Jackson era. I mean, hey, so. We got us a dub. I'll take it, baby. Let's enjoy it. Yeah, yeah. And it was like a, an actual four-quarter performance, too, which was nice to see. Hey, am I the only one when you was watching all first half, third quarter, fourth quarter, you was just kind of sitting there like, all right, come on now. <laughs> right, yeah, yeah. It wasn't no, hey, we got this in the bag type of mess. It was like, it, oh, we, man, come on now, you, y'all. Not, you, still, you still felt that way a little bit? Like, all right. All right. Minnesota scored. All right, so it's it's about to start. But like I mentioned earlier in the show, the drive that they had after the Minnesota score with the, the Julio touchdown on fourth down, yeah, that, that was one of the best. That's probably their best drive all year because they needed the answer, and they did. And that was the type of play that we've seen happen against the Falcons so many times before. So that was, that was huge. Yeah, yeah. And it was just nice to see. Nice to see all around. Uh, Hey Mike, I can see that you that you joined us. How are you doing, man? Good. Hey guys, how's it going? Good, good. Yeah, we're just wrapping up our talk on the Falcons getting that first win of the season, uh, which is a big weight off our shoulders. We unfortunately just had mentioned, you know, the the Lions' un- unfortunate record of 0 16 that one season. So we we don't have to worry about that uh, this year at least. So 
Yeah, you got to try real hard to be that bad. <laughs> yeah, I wasn't that concerned, but it's nice to make sure that that option is off the table going forward. But uh, right, <laughs> yeah, uh, this, he is Mike Payton, guys. He is at Pride of Detroit SB Nation's Lion site. Uh, I believe I still have your handle right in here. It's pod Payton, uh, pod underscore Payton, right? Yep, that's right. Perfect, perfect. Yeah, so obviously, uh, you know, maybe not quote-unquote big NFC matchup this weekend, but uh, I think the Lions, you know, are, uh, were kind of a punching bag preseason. You know, people were like, oh, the Lions, you know, they're not going to be that great. But they've been, I think, solid. Obviously, they've been better than the Falcons. Um, so what what are your take? What's your take right now on where the Lions are at going into Week 7? Uh, it's, you know, it's a really interesting time in Detroit right now. Uh, there was a good chance that if the Lions didn't beat the Jaguars last Sunday that Matt Patricia was probably going to get fired. Uh, that was the rumor going around. Jason Lockhanfora started that rumor. So, you know, take that with a bit of a grain of salt. Right. Um, There's a lot of rumors. Yeah. Uh, so, there, you know, right now it's everything's sort of in limbo. They We didn't expect them to beat the Jaguars. I certainly didn't. I, I picked the Jaguars to win that game. Um, they're going into a game this Sunday with the Atlanta Falcons, who's got a much much tougher offense, as it, as it would appear, at least on paper. Um so, you know, right now, I don't know. Everything's in limbo. It, I, I feel like if the Lions lose the next two games, then they're probably going to be looking for a new GM and a new head coach immediately. Yeah. Yeah, because, I mean, it was kind of a duel between Dan Quinn and Matt Patricia in the, like, head coach who's most likely to be fired rankings uh, early this year. And it looks like the Lions kind of were able to turn it around to prevent that from happening. The Falcons were unfortunate in doing that last year. Um, is that a, a change that you want to see? I know Falcons fans were like just itching to get Quinn out of here, but how? What's your kind of opinion on Matt Patricia's tenure? Well, you know, um, it, it's hard because uh, you know, as as a writer, I try to be uh, not. Uh, yeah, I try to be a little bipartisan about it. I suppose um, you know, I root. I, I I don't think that it's going to work out. Uh, Matt Patricia has shown that he's quite the narcissist, and uh, he wants to put in you know his his uh his scheme and he's gonna he's gonna basically ride it until the wheels fall off and it's not working um they changed things up a little bit last week they said they were going to simplify things so they stopped playing man coverage so much uh they finally got after the the uh, the passer they got the pass rush going they played a lot more zone so it, it appears that maybe he's listening but uh, you know so as a fan though the other side of it is like i i don't want to go through another change it's mm. it's exhausting you know yeah uh, the amount of times that you go through a new GM, new head coach, um, you, you know, you felt like you had things right with Jim Caldwell. Matt Patricia was supposed to just be that next move to, to get the Lions to the, you know, the next step. This was supposed to be the move that was supposed to be, you know, the Lions were competitive under Caldwell. Patricia was supposed to be the guy that was going to lead him to championships. It's clearly not happening. Uh, things are much, much worse. And, you know, Matt Patricia is probably one of the worst coaches in Lions history at this point. It's 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 not going well. Yeah, yeah. And ironically, he threw the Jim Caldwell regime under the bus once he. <laughs> yeah, it, funny enough, you know the Falcons. I think chose Mike Smith over Jim Caldwell, if I remember correctly, uh, or it was something like that. So, um, you know, it, these two teams are kind of strangely linked together. 
in some yeah. ways, um, at least in suffering for sure. But uh, <laughs> before we get to more, uh, someone did do us the favor of testing out that donation tip system. Uh, Michael Zurich donated a dollar. Thank you so much, Michael oh, Zurich, yeah, for, really. for testing That's that out cool. for us. Uh, Michael Great says, Matt Ryan is the best QB in the league. Kevin Knight is the Matt Ryan of Falcons journalists. So, wow. Also trade Ricardo Allen. So, okay. Thank you, Michael, uh, for testing that out for us. We really appreciate that, man. And, of course, the financial contribution. All the hot takes out there. Yeah. <laughs> you can use it. I'll read your hot take on the air. I'm not above that. So, uh, <laughs> But, yeah, um, I do want to open the floor for you guys if anybody else has questions for Mike about the Lions. Uh, yeah, so first uh, first question for me, you know, bringing in a guy like Adrian Peterson, you know, he has been, um, you know, a- Adrian Peterson, the name speaks for itself. Right. But I want – European as far as how his fit has been this year with that Lions offense does it actually help them does it hinder that offense because they're relatively young around him so what does his presence do for their scheme going forward I think that uh, you know the biggest thing that Adrian Peterson brings to the table is that he's Adrian Peterson and and he's got a lot of like as you mentioned he's got a lot of young running backs around him so have that presence in the room have somebody who you know, as a former NFL MVP, um, knows how the game should be played. It's it's nice to have that guy around as a leader, as a locker room leader. Um, in terms of his on the field work, uh, it seems to be it seems to be shrinking uh, as the weeks go on. Uh, DeAndre Swift had a a big big game last week, um, and I would imagine that they're going to start going in the direction of having DeAndre take most of the carries. Uh, and Adrian's going to be more of your third down back, like what we all assume that he would be when he got brought in. Um, he's, he fits in perfectly with what the Lions are doing in, in, in terms of just uh, trying to grow that, that running back room. Um, so, I mean, he, he's nice to have around, but I'm not expecting him to hit 1,000 yards or anything like that or do anything special this year. Biggest concern on defense for you going into this matchup? Yes, yeah, it's, it's the linebackers. It's it, it's always been the linebackers. It, you know, I I have a feeling that that Matt Ryan's going to be able to exploit these guys over the middle. Um, it's it's been a problem they've had for a long time. They their their linebackers can't cover at all. Jelani Tavai is is proving to be a big time draft bust, uh, big time second round draft bust. Jared Davis um, is a you know he's he's a great pass rusher, but he can't cover to save his life. Uh, they're starting to try a new new idea with him to maybe just make him just a pass rusher coming off the edge. Uh, other than that, Jamie Collins is you know Jamie Collins is okay. He's reliable in in a way, but um, he, you know he's he's getting older as well. So I think the linebacking, yeah, this is a real issue. I, I I think if they're able to pass, if they if they continue to rush the passer, they can do it. Their corners are are improving each week. Jeff Okuda, Jeff Okuda had a good week last week. He's getting better. But, yeah, the linebackers is an issue. Yeah. Yeah, Jeff Okuda's early struggles were really surprising to me because he was such, like, a can't-miss prospect. And, obviously, it was super early to really be that concerned about anything, you know, and it's hard to look good on a bad defense. We've been having these conversations here in Atlanta as well. But uh, is, you know, Okuda starting to come along a little bit now? Yeah, he had, he had a pretty good week uh, against the Jaguars last week. I think he graded out about 627 from pro football focus his early his early days were not so great i mean you know your first start ever comes against aaron Rodgers and Devonte adams that's 
that's real tough, man. That's, you know, one of the best quarterbacks of all time and a, and a receiver who's probably one of the better ones in the league. And then you had to take on Drew Brees the next week. Um, you know, so so he was definitely getting exploited. He was getting targeted quite a bit. He did get a pick and a nice tackle for loss against the Saints. Um, and he had a pretty good week against the Jaguars. He got burnt in coverage on the first play of the game. Uh, I, I, I worry a lot how he's going to – I would imagine they're going to put him on Calvin Ridley because Desmond Trufant is is still hurt. Hmm. Um, so you got to put a Rarier uh, on on Julio, I would imagine. Um, so I'm a little nervous as to what Calvin Ridley is going to do to him, but uh, I guess we're going to see. Yeah, yeah, that'll be interesting. I know we had a, a question about Trufant from Jason Gaines. Uh, obviously, he's injured now. How was Trufant doing with the Lions prior to that injury? Uh, you know, he really only played um, week one. He he was okay. Um, hmm. You know, I, you could see a guy that's kind of aging and if he's not really playing his best ball anymore, I think that maybe, you know, his last good year was last year and, and mm-hmm. uh, now he's just dealing with a hamstring injury that just will not get better. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, you know, obviously Trufant's only on a one-year deal. I don't see this uh, relationship going any farther after this. Yeah, that's unfortunate to hear, you know, because he, he was a big fan favorite. Well, I thought he was a fan favorite. I, I liked him a lot on a personal level and as a, a player, but he, fans had kind of soured on him over the last few years, and it was clear that he was no longer like a corner one or anything like that. But, uh, yeah, injuries just at the most inopportune times were kind of his MO. Like, uh, you know, I think we all believe that if he hadn't missed the end of that 2016 season, this team would have definitely won the Super Bowl. So, um Year. He had, didn't he have like four picks before he got hurt? Yeah, he was having a great year last year too before he got hurt. It just seems like those injuries are starting to catch up, catch up with him a bit. Yeah. And on top of that, you know, you bring this guy in to replace Darius Slay. He's, you know, there's just no way for him to look good. I mean, yeah. you're trying to replace one of the best corners in the league. It, it's hard work, man. Yeah, it is. It is. Yeah. Um, they should probably get rid of Matt Patricia just on letting that happen alone. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I agree. Yeah, I don't really. It, it seemed like it was just a relationship issue, not necessarily like a cap or anything else, right? Well, so I, I mean, I feel like I need to really get into this. I really need to elaborate on. Yeah, this. So yeah. Basically, go ahead. Yeah. You know, Jim Caldwell came to town, and he formed uh, a really, really great culture within the Lions organization. This was a team that was the players are happy they're ready to win a championship and everything you know is going smoothly now matt patricia came in and treated it like a rebuild he treated it like there wasn't a team that just went nine and seven so he tore everything out he tore out the culture he you know he he started overrunning the guys and it's overworking them and just making everything not fun um, that's the reason that Richard Sherman didn't sign with the Lions when when he you know was about to sign with the Lions. He realized, hey, I'm not going to have any fun here, so I'm not going to go. Um, and that's the reason. That's one of the reasons Darius Slay is gone mm-hmm. is because he and Matt Patricia could not get along. Matt Patricia was telling Darius that he wasn't elite, um, and you know that he wasn't one of the best corners in the league, which is just patently false. Wow. Uh, and yeah, so well, Darius one of lost, the top 100 players for a while, right? Yeah, yeah. absolutely. Yeah. Darius Darius lost respect for him, and he wanted out. Simple as that. I mean, that's that's what Matt Patricia has done to the locker room. I've heard this, and you can correct me if I'm wrong. I've heard that a lot of the players have kind of soured on Matt Patricia because they're kind of wondering, like, 
is this you or is this Bill Belichick? You know, like, who are you trying to be? You know, yeah. he's come in and, like you said, uh, gutted the whole team pretty much and talked crazy to Darius Slay. So, you know, if he talked crazy to one of his better players, how's he talking to the ones that are kind of middle of the road, maybe a little bit further back, the kind of core of your team a little bit? That's uh, <laughs> that's that's wild. That's wild to me. Yeah. Like, you would come in and do that. Yeah, I mean, it's certainly – you know, I wouldn't that that would not surprise me. Uh, all the players that I have talked to and have, have said nothing but glowingly good things about Matt Patricia. It's really weird. But then again, a lot of the players that that are in the Lions system now worked with him in New England. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and were brought in by him. So, you know, he's he's kind of gotten rid of all the you know Quandre Diggs and D- uh, Darius Slay and some of the and Devon Kennard, some of the good players that that they had to to replace them with mostly just Patriots guys. And it's kind of frustrating because it's <laughs> it's really just not working out. But yeah. none of these guys will, will say anything otherwise. Right. The, the Detroit Patriots now, huh? <laughs> yeah. It's like Only without the win. Right. And that's that's the problem, I think, that we've seen with almost every single Patriots coach that's left New England is that this New England system only works if you're winning because it's not fun. The players don't enjoy it. The coach is usually a dick about it. Like, you know, they're, like, it, it, they're not winning any popularity contests. And it's kind of like the anti-Dan Quinn approach, right? Like, Dan Quinn was way too friendly with the players. They need more of an in-between guy. But Patricia's kind of, like, gone the opposite direction where he's just kind of a dick and everyone wants to leave. Yeah. And, like, it's one thing if you're, you know, going to Super Bowls every year because players will put up with a lot if they're going to the Super Bowl every mm-hmm. year. But, um, yeah, it's, it's crazy to me that... I just I, I don't know what Matt Patricia thinks he's done to think that he can go just be a dick to everyone on his football team when he's won like six games over the past couple seasons. Hey, and I tell you what, how some of them players think because I'm just kind of putting myself back in that mode. Like you cannot be a dick, and we're not winning, and you don't have no playing experience because they- <laughs> if you're a dick, you're not going to stick around very long because no one's going to bat for you. Right. You- you know, I can't, I can't help but always think about this quote from a Sports Illustrated article that Robert Klemko wrote last year where they were talking about uh, some of the destinations that free agents like to look at or don't like to look at. Detroit was one of the ones that places didn't want to go, and, and they got a, a, a quote from an anonymous scout that said uh, something to the effect of, like, players don't want to go play for uh, Matt. I think I'm Bill Belichick, but I ain't done shit, Patricia. <laughs> uh-huh. Yep. It sounds about right. Yeah, yeah. Says a lot. It does. Yeah, and yeah. it's you know it doesn't seem like things have gone as far off the rails there as like you know Dallas, uh, which like I mean I could have told you not to hire Mike Nolan. Like let's be real here, but <laughs> I still can't believe that. <laughs> I mean, like who goes and hires the Fal- the disgraced Falcons defensive coordinator? Like fired Falcons offensive coordinators. Okay, like they've had some good offenses, but like. You don't fire the guy the Falcons fire on defense. Like, that is just – that just blows my heart. <laughs> you just I, – I, I, I just don't get it. But um, Hey, it's not what you know. It's who you know. Uh, clearly, right. clearly. Nepotism is alive and well. I, I hate to, to get too far into the weeds, but, like, I think that's the biggest problem with the NFL is that it's just a bunch of guys being reused in different stories, different teams. Instead of bringing in any new blood or – uh, trying something different. Everybody just keeps reusing the same guys over and over again. It's 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 a problem. I, I think yeah. it's really uh, – I think it's an issue within the league because it's keeping a lot of players or a lot of people from not getting hired because they just keep using the same guys over and over again. 
Yeah. Fair enough. It's very yeah. disappointing. Like, you know, when you hear, like, Adam Gase has a job as a head coach, and Eric Bieniemy is sitting on the bench, you know, in, in right. Kansas City. Like, it's just, it, it blows my mind. But and, and Todd Bowles got fired, who is is a pretty good defensive coach. Right, exactly. What this still tells me that someone's going to hire Adam Gase as their offensive coordinator next year. Oh, absolutely. Despite everything we've seen, you know, in Chicago and Miami and now the Jets, and somebody's going to say, you know what, we're going to bring him in here with our quarterback, and he's going to he's going to turn things around. Yeah, yeah, it'll probably be Detroit. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Look, he had that one year with Peyton Manning. Okay, like, and that that makes all the difference for folks. But yeah, I mean, it's crazy to me, uh, and that's a real problem. And I hope you know that teams like the Falcons and maybe the Texans. I don't know. I don't want to get too bold here, uh, but the Falcons at least have made it clear that I think they've made it pretty clear that they're looking heavily at you know black head coaching candidates like Eric Bieniemy, like Raheem Morris. I mean, they made, they made one, you know, they made Raheem Morris their head coach, their, their interim head coach. So clearly they're not opposed to the idea. Uh, it's just, it's, it's a trend that has been in this league for far too long. And, you know, somebody has got to actually do something and stop just talking about hiring head coaches and, and black head coaches and actually doing it, you know, like it. Right. So I hope Atlanta's, you know, the one to do that. Cause Eric Bieniemy seems like an awesome dude, and an awesome candidate, but uh, we're super off the rails with that. But yeah, I mean, <laughs> kind of you know merging things back to week seven um you know how are you feeling going into this matchup is this you think you are you concerned at all about the falcons you know seemingly getting it together last week or do you think this is a team that detroit should be pretty favored against i think it's going to be a battle of which team wants to lose more yeah that's fair that's (laughs) always fair and, and both these teams uh have a pension for getting out to leads and then losing them. So it's going to be really, I think it's going to be a very fun game. I'm looking at, I think it's going to be shootout personally. Um, the thing that worries me the most obviously is, is look, it's Matt Ryan. It's Todd Gurley, Julio Jones, Calvin, Calvin Ridley. I mean, you guys are stacked when it comes to offensive weapons. The lions aren't too bad either. They've got Kenny Galladay and, and, you know, TJ Hawkinson, DeAndre Swift, you know, but I, they're not as uh, tried and true and tested as, as you know, the, the Atlanta Falcons' weapons are. I think the Lions should be able to put up a lot of points on that defense, but I just, I just don't know if they're going to be able to keep up with the Atlanta offense, especially if they play like they played against Minnesota last week. Yeah, and that, that's the big question. You know, can the Falcons keep it together another week? You know, can they perform against a Lions defense that has been pretty hot and cold this year? You know, uh, and can the Falcons defense look, you know, have some life like they had some life against Minnesota. You know, Minnesota certainly shot themselves in the foot. Kirk Cousins at least did that big time. But, uh, you know, the fact that the strength of the Detroit offense is has, I guess, been the run game. They've been leaning pretty heavily on Adrian Peterson. And now that DeAndre Swift's back healthy, he's been he had a great game, too. But this this game presents. some matchup issues that we've seen already this season for the Falcons defense, you know, uh, Kenny Galladay is a very, very good player. And a guy like DK Metcalf gave this secondary trouble in week one. I can see a guy like Galladay being that same issue, being a big receiver that's still able to stress the field. Correct me if I'm wrong, but I believe he leads the team in yards per catch. I think it's like 16, 17, something like that. Yeah, Um, for sure. So, 
he presents that matchup issue. You know, you're either going to have him covered by a rookie in, in AJ Terrell, or you're going to have him covered by a guy that he is just, you know, just dwarfs in size and, yeah. and Kevin Sheffield. So it's a matchup issue. You know, is can can De, can Deion Deion Jones can he contend with a guy like TJ Hawkinson who's starting to come into his own as an athletic fighting going forward? We all know Stafford can throw. Mm-hmm. Stafford can launch it. I, I think this game presents some issues for that Falcons secondary in particular. Um, it's, it goes uncovered, but Cousins threw for three thirty. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm pretty sure. I'm pretty yeah. sure Stafford can, can match that. Yeah. and probably exceed that in this particular game here. So. Yeah, and I'll probably forego the interceptions as well. I mean, you know, <laughs> probably. Yes. Cousins is is he's garbage right now. Yeah, <laughs> he's really bad. He's playing um, Minnesota right now, but Stafford is a different test. Yeah, must, must different test. Yeah, and I I have those same issues on the other, you know, on the Lions side of the ball is with Jeff Okuda and, and Amani Arwarie. I going up against Julio Jones and and uh, Calvin Ridley. I mean, that's just that's that's a mismatch for sure. Uh, I don't know if either of those guys can keep up with you know, with Julio or Calvin. And uh, it, I, I think that's where the, the Falcons can really take advantage. Plus, you know, Todd Gurley presents a real issue in, in, in uh, the run game for, for the Lions. You know, last week they had James Robinson, who I know everybody's kind of high on, but I, I don't I don't think he's really done anything any uh, special this year. And Alvin Kamara just absolutely tore through this Lions defense the week prior to that. So I, I think Gurley presents maybe one of the bigger issues, especially you know in the time of possession game. If they want just want to run all day, they could probably do it. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I'm starting Stafford in fantasy this week. So you know, <laughs> if that gives you oh, any yeah. indication of my thought there, starting holiday this week. Yeah. I mean, yeah, yeah. No, you should. You should for sure. Yeah. I mean, yeah. they're going to get points, no doubt about it. I just, I at the end of the day, I just think Atlanta is going to might get more. I, I. I think I might pick the pick the Falcons in this game. Which which defense can make a play in the second half? That's probably going to be the winning team. Which which defense can come up with a critical stop when it needs right. to? So, um, so yeah. So this is this is definitely a, like I said, this is, it's a test for me for a team that's coming off their first win of the season. Great, you beat a Minnesota team that has bad quarterback play. They're missing their best player. Now, how about this Detroit team? A tough Detroit team, well, at least on offense, a tough Detroit team that can pose some problems in the air. Can you can you fix it? And I, I think it is going to come down to time of possession because they're going to they they uh, Falcons put up forty minutes this past week against the Vikings, and they're probably going to have to match that this week when it comes to time of possession because I don't want Stafford on that field throwing the ball thirty times, forty times. Yeah, they're yeah. going to be they're going to be in trouble. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah and, and you certainly yeah. don't want him on the field last either. Right, yeah. <laughs> right. And it's yeah. like, I, I do expect the Falcons to play the run well. They've done that pretty well all season. Um, you know, they held Alexander Madison to just 24 yards last week. And that, he's not Dalvin Cook, but he's had success, you know. He put up 121 well. against Seattle the week before. Yeah, yeah. So, I mean, uh, this is, you know, a Falcons run defense that is actually good and has been pretty consistently good this year. So, they're going to force the, the Lions to, to try to pass probably more than they're used to. But that is that a good thing for the Falcons? I don't know. Maybe I'm hoping that Patricia is, you know, very stubborn with trying to establish the run. Uh, 
and that causes some some you know long down and distance. But we'll see. I mean, I think if the the, the best thing for the Lions would probably be to just throw the ball as much as they can, uh, because, <laughs> because not gonna, not, it's not gonna happen. Yeah, you know, this is a do or die game again for Matt Patricia. Do you think the win over Jacksonville kind of gave him some leeway when it comes to job security, or is it still like if you lose to Atlanta, you might not make it back next week? Yeah, I think he. I think he bought himself some time with that win over the Jags for sure. At, again, you know that rumor was going around that he was probably going to get fired had they lost that game. It's not too hard to believe. Um, I, I've always thought if they were going to lose to the Jags and then lose to the Falcons, that would be what what would ultimately do it. Yeah. Um, so I, I I don't know. You know, it's really hard. If the Falcons go out and just absolutely demolish the Lions, then then I could totally see Matt Patricia and Bob Quinn gone. The very next day, uh, if they lose a close one, you know, I don't know. We'll we'll see what happens. So you so you do believe that if if they do go that route, that is going to be head coach GM fired or just? Oh, absolutely, yeah. I mean, these guys are a package deal. Uh, Bob Quinn, you know, had Jim Caldwell in his first year uh, as GM, and you know, you could tell that he already wanted Jim Caldwell gone, even though. You know, Caldwell was having success. Yeah, we always knew we wanted to bring his boy in. We always knew it was going to be Matt Patricia. So yeah, these guys are going to go together. And if anything, you know, if anything, Patricia will finish out the year, but Quinn will be fired first because you want to start that GM search early, obviously, so you can mm-hmm. be ready for the head coaching search in January. Right. Yeah. Yeah, that's a good point. Yeah, I'm interested to see what happens there and. You know, we'll we'll see who we'll see what the Falcons do because if they play like they did against Minnesota, you know they probably have a pretty good chance this week. If they play like the first five games of the season, that'll be a different story. It's really been pretty two pretty different teams we've seen. But yeah, I mean, going into the season, I think most Falcons fans circled this game as like being pretty winnable. Um, no Falcons fans probably saw the team being you know zero and five a week ago, but you know it's a weird year and. Uh, this team has definitely not played up to expectations, but um, even Detroit. What's that? I'm, I'm leaning Detroit. I'm not, I'm not, I'm not drinking the Kool Aid. Not yet. Yeah, you're not all the way in. Yeah. But I trust Stafford a lot more than Kirk Cousins. Stafford is going to make a lot more. He's going to make better decisions um, when it comes to you know putting the ball in the air. Um, I just, I just don't, I don't see it. You know, yeah. I don't. I don't see beating Minnesota as you know uh, a way of saying or or per, or provoking me of thinking like, hey, they can beat Detroit because these are two different teams in my opinion. Um, sure, they're just not that far off. But again, I can trust Matt Stafford. I can trust that offense. I can trust Galladay. Um, but I, I just think they're going to be a different test this week. So I gotta. I gotta go with Detroit this week, man. I'll be honest. With you. Yeah, I mean, if the Lions play like they played last week, then they're going to win for sure. I just don't know. The biggest, the biggest question for me is, was that Matt Patricia just uh, throwing us a bone to just try the idea of not just playing man coverage all the time and not rushing the passer, um, or is this something that he's going to continue to do? Yeah. So I, I don't know. Um, it's, it's really hard. It's really hard to predict the Lions. Yeah, it's definitely hard to predict the Falcons too, and it's like this is probably a really tough situation for. Matt Patricia because like the Falcons are probably better than one in five like you know if we had to actually say like they're probably a better team than like the Jaguars and a lot of these kind of bottom dwelling teams this year um 
but they're one in five. So like, it looks really bad to lose to a one in five team like the Falcons, even though they're probably better than one in five. So like, that could be you know just the excuse that the Detroit brass needs to be like, oh, you lost to the one in five Falcons. All right, that's it. We're done. You know, even though even though it might not be fair in that way. Yeah, absolutely. I I think that's you know. I think anybody anybody who thinks about the Falcons this year is going to think about that onside kick against Dallas, and they're going to just automatically think the Falcons are just an embarrassing team. Yeah, I mean, that was very embarrassing. Yeah. He's not going to avoid this reputation, man. It's, it's going to follow them. It's going to stick to them like like glue, dude. Just like the Bills. Yeah. Yeah, I really... That's almost 30 years ago, but it still follows them as a franchise. Like, you know, yeah. it's, it's not going to go away. Dang, it's not going to follow us around like that, is it? Yeah, oh, yeah, man. <laughs> that one onside kick. Follow that coaching no. regime, you know, that, you know, that no. the head coach. Dang, no. man. Mm. Follow. Nope. Nope. <laughs> when we think, when we hear Buffalo Bills, what do we think? 0-4. Four Super Bowls, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I, yeah, I mean, look, 28-3 was terrible, but, man, it wasn't four straight Super Bowls losing, so. Still 28-3, man. Yeah, I know, but I, I, I think I honestly prefer that to going to the Super Bowl four times and losing four times. Like Exactly. I'd rather yeah. get four cracks at the Super Bowl than to than lose a 25-point. <laughs> but, yeah, I mean, yeah, it's uh, – a. It's going to be a good one. I mean, I think this is actually a pretty evenly matched game. I haven't finished my stats breakdown of the game, but I mean, I suspect that this will be pretty evenly matched. These are two defenses that aren't great and two offenses that are playing pretty well. So we'll see how that goes. Yeah, it should be fun to figure it out. I I just, uh, I don't know. I'm just nervous as always. <laughs> yeah. I think like we stopped being nervous because it's like oh and five it's like all right nothing else to play for let's just chill out and you know now now they're probably gonna do some like weird stuff like go back to five hundred and then collapse again that that's probably what they're gonna do but are you guys tanking for Trevor Lawrence then or <laughs> well there's no point because you're not gonna get ahead of the Jets so no my my thing yeah. the fans are some of the fans are seeing that you know that one win over, over Minnesota and they're some fans are already talking playoffs I'm like come on man like seriously. I want yeah. to, like it's just it's a good win, but talk to me when they if they get the five hundred. If they get the five hundred, then we can talk playoffs maybe. But not now. It's, it's premature. Like they're still a bad team. Yeah, yeah. there's certainly a section of, of people like that in Detroit as well. And you know, Lions if they win this game, they're five hundred, and and they're not too far off that that seventh spot. But man, we just cannot be talking about playoffs right now. <laughs> playoffs. There may, there may not be an <laughs> NFC East team to get in. This oh my year, so. god. <laughs> The Amen. NFC least, yeah. <laughs> At least we're not the NFC East, so. Amen to that. Amen to that. <laughs> yeah, but uh, yeah, folks. Uh, thank you guys all for tuning in. We got a little bit more content to get to tonight. Obviously, before we get to that, though, want to remind you guys, if you don't mind, to uh, throw a like at the show. We really appreciate that. And uh, you'll notice there's a, a little Falcoholic logo in the bottom right. If you click that, that's an easy way to subscribe. You can also subscribe the normal way too. Uh, that'll give you guys notifications and such when we go live, and I will give you a shout-out if you do it while the show's live. If you wait till the show's off the air, I can't give you the shout-out. So, you know, you can do it now. I'll, I'll, I'll give you the shout-out. So that's where we're at. Uh, and uh, I want to thank my wonderful guests as well. We'll get give them a chance to plug their stuff here as we move forward. But, uh, yeah, I mean, I think for me, I guess normally this would be the time where I'd be like, okay, what's the implications of this game? I mean, at this point, is it basically just draft position for these teams, Mike, or do you think that there's still an outside shot for the Lions to, to be in the mix here? 
Uh, you know, it's it, it, just looking at the schedule coming up for the Lions. They've got they've got three teams that are one and five in their next six games. Oh. Uh, then they, you know, I think that the Lions feel at this point that they might be able to put a run together and make the playoffs. So that's I I, I think that's the way that we're kind of looking at the Lions at the moment. I don't believe that's going to happen, but it's certainly a possibility that they could they could go on a little run here and come out of the next six games at six and five or seven and four or something like that, and it just be this massive turnaround. How the hell did that work out? Three <laughs> three teams one and five of the next few weeks. That's lucky. Yeah. It's the uh, the luck of the draw, man. Uh, let me uh, quick look at the Lions schedule here. I <laughs> that's fine. <laughs> Man, that's lucky. Goodness gracious! That's a nice little. That's a nice little stretch there. Falcons could never have that type of luck. <laughs> no, well, okay, so they got the uh, they got the the Vikings and they got the Washington Football Team uh-huh. and the Houston Texans. Oh man, yeah. So there's hope. There's hope indeed, especially if you pick up this win on Sunday. So there was every <laughs> year for the Falcons to play like the Jets, Giants. <laughs> It will be that year, but no, of course they don't get that. They get the Chiefs and <laughs> the, <laughs> the Raiders, and yeah, this is awesome. This team is not going. Gonna... Well, don't don't get too happy for the Lions because they got to finish off the year with the Packers, the Titans, and the Buccaneers. I mean, that's yeah. that's the season ruiners right there. It's right. Yeah. yeah. Last three weeks of the season for the Falcons is Bucks, Chiefs, Bucks. Yeah. Oh man. <laughs> yeah, so that's going to be interesting. You know, something yeah. tells me Dirk Cutter's offense ain't going to look so hot against that Buccaneers defense. But uh... <laughs> no, I don't, I don't hey, you so. never know. Y'all might get uh, y'all might get lucky. Derrick Henry gets hurt. The Titans, you know, that offense ain't doing nothing without him. Yeah, well, I hope he doesn't because I have him in fantasy. And I <laughs> yeah, <laughs> they got the competing interests there with that one. Yeah, I mean, I think we're all pretty convinced that the Falcons are kind of out of it. Um, so it's 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 draft position jockeying. You know, I think a lot of fans are kind of on the fence about if they want more wins or if they want the top draft pick. But like, yeah, I mean, ultimately, I think we are kind of in the boat of like a four and twelve to six and ten team. And um, you know, I I want them to play well, and I think that this will be one of those games where they probably look pretty good. Uh, so we'll see if that ends up in a win or not. Um, but the the best case scenario is that I think both teams play well. And it's injury free, and uh, you know we get through to next week, and and things are still going pretty much in the same direction. But uh, yeah, I mean it's probably I guess it's probably a more important game for the Lions because they could theoretically still be in contention. I guess anyone could be in this weird seven playoff seed uh, universe, but right, I just, where everyone's getting hurt. <laughs> yeah, I mean anything's possible. Uh, but it, it's it'll be an interesting game. I think it's pretty evenly matched, like we said earlier, and. Um, you know, these are two teams that have quite a bit of crossover in terms of players. You know, we're not going to get to see Trufant, but, uh, you know, I know Georgia fans are going to be interested in watching DeAndre Swift and, you know, his NFL start here. Um, glad he's yeah. healthy now. Yeah. Um, and yeah, and Stafford, of course, too. Yeah, so that... Yeah, a oh, little little fun fact. Sorry to interrupt. Little no, fun no. fact. This is the first time Matthew Stafford has played in the state of Georgia since he played for the University of Georgia. Oh, that's wow. weird, right? Yeah, that's pretty weird. It's wow. crazy, yeah. Right? <laughs> One of those just you know random stats that you always. Yeah. Uh, so yeah. when was I have to look that up? When was the last time Detroit was on the road against? Uh, the last the last time the Lions played uh, Atlanta on the road, it was in London. Oh, that's right. Yep, so that ah, makes sense. A London game and uh, Mike Smith era, huh? Yep. So, yep, Mike Smith. The game before that was Matt Ryan's first game. 
I believe that was also the last time they played in Atlanta. Well, it was the, it was the London game, but before that, the last time they played in Atlanta was Matt Ryan's first game. Oh, maybe. Yeah, Stafford, Stafford wasn't here yet. Yep, yep. Wow. Yeah, I always forget that like Stafford's technically got drafted after Matt Ryan. They both seem like they've been around forever at this point. So, uh, and they're like best friends too. It's yeah, hard. yeah. It is interesting. Yeah. Yeah. The London game. The London game. Yeah, I don't want to talk. I don't want to think about that London game. That was another one. I could talk about it. I would love to talk about it. <laughs> hey, that game was like the nail in the coffin for Mike Smith. It was. It? Yeah, that was the yeah. end. That Lord, was the end for Mike Smith. Lead. Here we go. Yep. Awesome. <laughs> Another blown lead, yeah. Well, it's followed us. Maybe Dimitrov was the secret, right? Maybe now that we've gotten rid of Dimitrov, he was actually the catalyst for all the blown leads because getting rid of Mike Smith didn't seem to fix it. So uh, I'm just going to keep my finger crossed. fingers crossed on that one. Uh, but, yeah, guys, before we get out of here, want to give our guests and co-hosts an opportunity to plug their stuff. Mike Payton is on Twitter at P-O-D underscore Payton. Mike, anything that you guys are working on over there, anything that you're working on you want to plug? Uh, yeah, we started a, a new podcast this year um, that I'm hosting called Man Coverage. Um, it's We interview a bunch of media members and uh, some former players. This week we had Lomas Brown, former offensive tackle Lomas Brown, on the show. Um, so even if you're not a Lions fan, it's a really, it's a really fun listen. We mostly just profile the, the, uh, the guest and just kind of talk about stories from the road or uh, stories from playing the game. It's, it's, it's a fun show. So even if you're not a Lions fan, you, you'll still enjoy it. Yeah, yeah. Hey, Lomas is a cool individual. I met him one time when I was playing. I was young. He was with uh, Tampa Bay at the time. He wasn't yep. with Detroit anymore, but uh, we kind of knew each other because uh, Dennis McKnight, who used to play in Detroit, they knew each other. And Dennis coached me in college, and he told me to go up and speak to him afterwards. And, you know, sometimes some guys, if their status is a little bit higher than yours, they can kind of big time you a little bit. Yeah. No, that wasn't the case with Lomas. Lomas actually stayed with me out on the field, talked with me, shared a couple words, and he was real cool. So yeah, shout out to Lomas Brown, man. You know, oh he yeah, was, man. he was real nice to me back when I wasn't nothing. Total, total class act. Same, same with me. My one of my first uh, writing jobs was for our local newspaper, and I had to interview him for like a charity event. Couldn't have been the night. Couldn't have been nicer. I mean, one of the nicest guys I've ever had the pleasure of talking to uh, in the NFL. So great guy. Yeah, guys. Yeah. Check that out for sure. That that sounds like a lot of fun. I'm going to have to check it out myself. So as Man Coverage, you said, was the name of the pod? Yeah, Man Coverage. It's on our Pride of Detroit uh, podcast feed. Uh, give it a shot, man. Yeah, absolutely. Give me some feedback, too, if you want. Yeah, yeah, we're going to check that out. Uh, also with us, folks, uh, Keenan Forney. He's at KForney65 on Twitter and at F65Performance on Instagram. Keenan, anything you want to let the people know about? Uh, yeah, I am getting ready to start back training kids uh if you want some work come holler at me uh i say this every week get out there and support football get out there and support high school college the reason why i say that is because this is the time of year where guys start getting sick you know what i mean start catching different little illnesses in there and i don't want to jinx it but i just pray that football stays going so you know uh go support these kids uh, I'm going to go watch my boy Lyndon Cooper down in Carrollton High School this weekend. They got their homecoming, so uh, go Trojans. Absolutely, guys. Yeah, check that out. And check out, uh, if, you, you know, if you're an offensive lineman looking to, looking to get better, I mean, I can't recommend anyone better than Keenan Forney. Uh, you know, the Falcons' first rounders were going to this man. So, I mean, 
No offense, but you're I probably not. Chan, I got Chance Warmack coming in oh, in a couple yeah. weeks, so big Chance. Oh, hell yeah. From the SWAT, former first rounder for Tennessee, he's coming to see me in about another week or so. So, All yeah, right. um, you know, I'm a. Uh, God is good, man. Let's just yeah, say man. That. Hell yeah, that's great. That's awesome to hear. Yeah. Chance Warmack. You know, we got Chris Lindstrom in there. We got Caleb McGarry. Like, these, you look, no offense to you, but you're probably not as good as those guys. So if you want to be maybe as good as those guys, hit Keenan up, man. He'll, he'll get you set up, get you set up right. Uh, also with us tonight, my co-host, Eric Robinson. He's on Twitter at underscore Eric underscore Robinson. Eric, anything that you're working on you want to let the people know about? Uh, yeah, so I will, I'm definitely, uh, I got started tonight working on the preview for the upcoming matchup against the Lions, so be on the lookout for that by the end of the week. Also, I'm also starting on my uh, second column um, in regards to the Falcons head coaching search, and this one is a under-the-radar offensive coordinator that you, you've heard his name tossed around here and there a little bit, but I think you'll know a lot more about him by season's end. So I'm working on that one. But also go on the Falcoholic site, check out my first column uh, where I highlighted Eric Bieniemy, Chiefs head coach, and why he may be a candidate for the Falcons um, at the end of the year when it comes to hiring a new head coach. All right, yeah, check that out, guys. It's a good piece. Uh, we got lots of good content on the site, of course, and you should check that out if you're looking for the written version. And... I am Kevin Knight at Falcoholic Kevin on Twitter. Uh, I got stuff this week. I think earlier I had uh, an article about Falcons finally playing up to their talent level. That was nice to see. And then uh, I had a piece today about Foye Oluwokun uh, as one of the top breakout players for the Falcons this year and how nice it has been to see him out there. Um, but yeah, guys, we really appreciate you tuning in. We appreciate Mike for helping us out, for Keenan for coming on and providing that all valuable player perspective like i said if you guys don't mind throwing a like at the video we appreciate that if you're not already subscribed hit that up uh we got lots of exciting new stuff this is just kind of the preview of all the interactive stuff we got going um you know we're i'm going to be rolling out more stuff for you guys to get into uh widgets that will work uh i I promise uh (laughs) it'll be clear where to go like if you want to give us money i'm going to make sure it's easy to see where that is so that i got that uh, particular bit of information thank you chat for for that but uh yeah there's a lot of stuff coming down the pike uh if you guys have ideas for things that you would like um you know send that to us uh you can send it to us on twitter at falcoholic live also the email for the show is falcoholic live at gmail.com if you got more lengthy stuff you want to get in there so uh thank you again for tuning in we'll be back on sunday for the post game coverage so hit us up then that shows a lot of fun as well until then guys thank you again for tuning in enjoy the rest of your week and we will see you guys uh yeah on sunday until then have a good one guys good night